Hey everybody, Ray Lucchese here. Welcome to another episode of the Greybeards on Storage podcast, a show where we get Greybeards bloggers together with storage assistant vendors to discuss upcoming products, technologies, and trends affecting the data center today. This Greybeards on Storage episode is brought to you today by MinIO. And now it is my pleasure to reintroduce A.B. Periasami, co-founder and CEO of MinIO, who's been on multiple Greybirds podcasts. So, A.B., why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what's new at MinIO? I'm, uh, I'm one of the co-founders and uh, CEO. Uh, uh, MinIO is an object storage. And uh, what's new, there, there's actually quite a bit of uh, uh, activities going on. I think the latest news uh, is... Uh, it, it's we're switch, switching to the next gear. It's all about multi-cloud now. The adoption of Mineo has grown quite a bit, even inside the cloud. And uh, we are uh, we are targeting basically all all the multiple all the clouds, and we are going after it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, being object storage has been kind of a secondary storage for I would say decades now. I first started talking about it back in the two thousand two thousand four timeframe. There's some discussion that object storage might become more like primary storage. Where does MinIO fit into that framework? So that's something that we have been quite clear from the beginning uh, in terms of where we want it to be. But uh, but the market has uh, come a full circle around it. Now, now the market has aligned itself to uh, object storage as the primary storage. But if you look at it, was not like something we predicted. It was already there when we started. If you look into the public cloud, object storage was the foundation. Whether you store some static websites, container images, application artifacts, all the way to AML, right? Like look at like Snapchat to Snowflake. They are built on object store from EMR to even outside of AWS, from BigQuery, Azure ML, Power BI, name it. Object storage was always the foundation, always the primary storage. In fact, AWS, the whole cloud thing started with object storage as a service first, that is S3, then came. The S3 stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah then, then came everything else. But outside of the public cloud, the industry was dominated by SAN and NAS vendors. They were in dismissal, right? They, 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 they thought that the future would be more like enterprise on the cloud, that is file block and VMs. And if a file block and VM cloud is called managed service, like the traditional MSPs. That market has changed. I think now you can clearly see VMware is embracing Kubernetes wholeheartedly. The, the new model is... Uh, containers, objects, Kubernetes is the infrastructure API standard. Uh, YAML is the definition of the uh, of their stack, right? And uh, it has become today. Object storage is the primary storage. And why this change happened? Uh, even outside of the public cloud, there are three primary use cases for SAN and NAS databases, right? Database, right? That now look at from uh, from. Kafka, Elastic, uh, ClickHouse, name it, all the pretty much all the popular open source databases, old school ones, all the way from SQL Server, Vertica, Teradata, all of them, they have gone object storage. Then look at VM images, snapshots, container data images, all of, uh, not the container, the VM images and the database snapshots, all of them have come to object storage. In fact, the new world, there is no VMs, it's containers. Container images and artifacts are on object storage always. And then the last thing is all the archival data. Uh, actually, archival data, not so much for the 
for the uh, for the primary storage for the sand nas the aml data that also came to object store so today i think object storage is accepted as primary storage not just inside public cloud at private and edge as well i i still struggle seeing seeing that in the enterprise to some extent given the enterprise applications uh, proclivity for block and file but i see object being you know the 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 major storage play in, in any of the cloud vendors these days it's like it's it's like ebs and those sorts of things are you know are are very rarely used anymore it's all all the data sitting on object storage and ebs is maybe temporarily used and things of that nature yeah so that that Ray, you're hitting a really interesting point, which is most of like the resistance that I've seen from object storage is from traditional workflows. Let's say the data scientists are still kind of slow to pick up object because their tools don't natively speak object. AB, I love to hear what you're seeing from like a end user perspective, legacy. Uh, Applications. You mean something like Splunk doesn't use objects? No, meaning like uh, some a lot of the analytic platforms that people use at the at the end client. Hadoop. Yeah, not not Hadoop. That Hadoop, Hadoop is definitely you can get block storage. I'm talking about like on PC when people connect to file shares and run you know traditional uh, analytics applications. That's where I'm seeing you know R R R workloads, etc. Actually, Ray answered that uh, question in just two words, right? You mean Splunk doesn't support object store? Actually, Splunk smart store is S3 API foundation. Splunk doesn't know how to talk to uh, their SAN or NAS. In fact, Splunk engineer, if you talk to, they will tell even the Splunk hot tier, don't put it on SAN and NAS. The hot tier is more of a primary cache with some persistence. They make replicated copies of it on local drives. But for all persistence, smart store is the way to go. And smart store is object store, S3 API. Every one of the uh, uh, analytics uh, stack today, if you look at from old school established players uh, all the way to the most modern ones, all of them have gone object store. In fact, the most successful one there uh, that replaced SAN and NAS was HDFS. And HDFS is now coming to Object Store. For a while, they were using S3A adapter to make Object Store look compatible to uh, to the Hadoop applications, right? So it gave file interface, HCFS file interface to Object Store. So the Hadoop applications, Hive and everything, you didn't have to rewrite. Uh, but now uh, nowadays, if you look at all these modern AML, like Kubeflow, which is the data pipeline standard for Kubernetes uses Minio SDK to talk to S3 compatible object store. So object store is now the standard for all analytics. Maybe it's the question of definitions. What do you mean by analytics, Keith, versus, you know, I look at analytics as big data kind of solution. So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm using R, if I'm using some type R, of, which is okay. A, a scientific language. Scientific languages like HPC, like HPC has been ex extremely resistant to object storage because those, those users, those data scientists, because they're still data scientists, are not necessarily using Hadoop. They're not using modern applications. They're using the legacy tools they've always used. But I mean, R and, and Python and all these other solutions that do data science, I mean, they have object storage APIs, don't they? Yeah, they have object storage APIs, but again, it's a question of where does the storage live today? If the storage li doesn't live in object storage, you have to either move it from your file system based, 
it's a workflow question like what comes first the chicken or the egg i love object storage absolutely because it's cheap deep uh performant now but my workloads exist so my data sets exist on on file that migration has been a bit slow in my experience so uh, there are two parts to this, right? One is a data scientist uh, downloading some CSV, like a, a, a JSON type uh, log data or some kind of data set. They download it to their laptop and uh, or their workstation and they perform and the local drives. Sure, you can run Minivo on those laptops too, right? The application developers do it all the time, but they would just store these CSV files on a file. And if you're running our script, uh, right? It just a file, a local, Operating system provided disk file system is just fine. But where did these data sets come from? They come from a large data repository that's off an object store. And uh, it used to be HDFS that became object store because you can access the data scientists spread across. They actually can download the data set over HTTP securely because S3 API is, H is just HTTP RESTful API. HDFS to SAN NAS accessing across the across the cloud forget about even van right uh, they found that object storage is a lot more convenient and secure to do that but for local processing sure local file system is just fine uh, and uh, outside of this use case the H the hpc market like predominantly is a mpi based workload they have their own highly optimized mpi io and the luster type systems had native integration with the mpi uh, mpi systems sure those uh, those community HPC community from say 92% to go to 94% efficiency, they have to make it twice as complex. They would because it's worth for them. But uh, and that's a that's a market that I until we see a pull, uh, it doesn't make much sense. But the commercial and uh, commercial HPC market is quite different from the national labs. The commercial HPC market have has moved on. You're talking like bioinformatics and things of that nature. They're all object storage nowadays. Right? Yeah, it is yeah. moving, yeah, moving away. So I, I, I see where you're coming from, Keith, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if I'm doing an application on my laptop or something like that, or in my test environment, I probably want to look at files, but that data is coming off of some object storage someplace in the cloud or someplace in, in, you know, where it's all being gathered and stuff like that. Don't you think that's the case? Well, user habits are very hard to change, right? Uh, I think the... If, if you're coming out of if you're coming out of uh, environment where you're you know you're at a university etc and you're learning this stuff new and your uh, your first experience with interfacing with your data sets is from object storage you're going to keep that you're, you're just going to keep that that workflow the same the opposite is true uh, when you've spent years you know connecting to the F drive and running it off user habits are extremely extremely difficult to change whether or not the underlying technology is better or not is not really relevant as can you get the users to adopt it and my question is more ab about that in adoption and it sounds like ab what you're telling me is that uh if you want a modern experience when it comes to data analytics object storage is where it's at yeah 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 they, and the file is actually even the 
the data science community, they, once we gave them a nice file explorer that they can point their browser and download the data set and search all that, they, if you give them something convenient, not necessarily a better technology, you are spot on there, right? If you just give them something even easier, they actually change their habits. But uh, but uh, the, where the file will continue to play a role is the enterprise community, particularly the ones who cannot hire software engineers to modernize infrastructure as a code, that's actually still a good part of the industry. It's uh, the, the, the traditional VMware based virtual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. VDI. I mean, the, yeah. you know, I came from the block world long before files even existed. So, yeah, it's 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 something that's in, in, embedded in, in what I do. But to a large extent, you know, if I'm doing AI, ML types of things, it's all it's all based on objects someplace. I mean, it's all sucking in objects, maybe co coming into a file or a CSV file or something like that and, and being processed there. But in the real world, guys that are doing AI ML, it's it's all objects. It it seems to be. I don't know. You look at Kubeflow or look at ML Ops or something like that. It it seems like it's getting all its data from object stuff. The files will stay, uh, but it's like mainframes is still a profitable business, right? Files will be there. <laughs> files and blocks. You know, MinIO doesn't work on mainframe yet. It probably does with a Z something Kubernetes thing or something. I don't know Linux. <laughs> Actually, surprisingly, there is a, a there is a native port for for uh, power architecture, and there is a, there is actually a startup now. I think it's Model Nine or something. They use MinIO to modernize uh, mainframes applications to become cloud compatible. They use MinIO there. Uh, it, it's a market that I I don't have much expertise. I rather leave it to partners. Well, you mentioned the cloud earlier on, AB. I mean, it seems like the, you know, the cloud has always been, to a large extent, object-oriented. And you and you made a statement there. I have to go back. It says AWS actually started with S3 alone. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that is actually true. <laughs> EBS I never, was I never saw that. Never realized that. That's yeah. Actually, the the that's pretty interesting. Uh, I, I talk about that a lot. You know, people think about EC2, one of the you know most common if not still the most commonly used service outside of S3. I remember when uh, AWS announced their, or Amazon announced their cloud services, AWS, and the service was S3 and I checked it out. I'm like, why would I ever, one, I said, why would I ever uh, use this? So take my advice with a grain of salt. I was obviously wrong, wrong about that along with, you know, uh, probably thousands of others, you know, but yeah. Yeah, the S3 is, is the oldest uh, service out there. Yeah. So what about the multi-cloud? There's a, you know, the problem today with enterprises adoption of cloud is that, you know, occasionally AWS or Azure or Google go down and, and yeah, I need to have services that, that now span clouds. Like I have services that span data centers in the past in order to keep up. Where does MinIO fit in that framework of, of uh, you know, multiple cloud operations? So uh, when AWS goes down, when Google, all these clouds goes down, actually I do see tweets in the community that I am uh, I am safe, uh, I'm running MinIO and I did not get affected. They do talk about all this, right? But the reality, if you look into uh, clouds uptime is uh, definitely higher than most of these data centers they run themselves, right? Uh, I don't think like, I don't think that uptime is a big deal. All, all infrastructures eventually go down here and there. But if I'm an Amazon customer, I would still feel confident that their engineers are competent enough to bring it back faster than uh, than my engineers. Of course, my engineers, I, I have confidence, but in, in general, right? But uh, but I think the real reason why multi-cloud is happening uh, is 
it's not even because they had a clear strategy. Today, most CIOs have a strategy and mandate that they have to be multi-cloud ready. But they, even those CIOs, end of the day, they will tell, we did a large contract with Google and then all of us standardize on Google. But uh, and you can see that most organizations have that exclusivity because they have to get the discount and they made the commitment. Um, they, but the real reason why multi-cloud is happening is because the developers started building applications as microservices and they containerized everything. When they containerized everything, they naturally brought in uh, Kubernetes to orchestrate these containers. They dis detached their application stack from the public cloud and they looked at public cloud as between asking my IT to provision Dell or Supermicro servers, here on an YAML file, uh, in, a, in a moment I can provision these servers, I, they left IT and went to the public cloud. It was more of infrastructure as a service. And when they went there, object storage was seen no different from MongoDB or Elastic or Kafka. It's the blob store they adopted. They brought in, they, uh, they brought in their software stack containerized and they pushed to the cloud. And overnight, say, today my management told I have to go to Google Cloud, redeploy the software stack on Google Cloud. It happened. So multi-cloud happened as a as a you think multi-cloud is there because Kubernetes and containerization occurred? Is it? Is it like? A, I'm not sure which is first here in this in this environment. But even if you're running a cluster, let's say in AWS and a cluster in Google Cloud, the data is a different question. I mean, so the data has got to be sitting someplace in this environment. Well, Ray, I want to interject. Maybe I'll lo love your feedback on this. Is I, I think I have a two billion dollar. Uh, Proof point here. Just read this morning, uh, JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon was on the investor call, I'm assuming yesterday, the day before this recording, talking about how JP Morgan has invested $2 billion in cloud, much of that spend going to the data center to enable cloud. So I think to AB's point, the cloud experience is what most businesses are uh driving towards ID, yeah idc stat 88 percent of enterprises want to have uh be able to repatriate static cloud workloads but have that cloud capability and that starts with the underlying storage this is the great beers on storage we believe in storage and you need <laughs> this storage across platforms to be able to do that so how does how does MinIO facilitate this you know storage residing in multiple platforms and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, uh, this one and combining the previous question too, that it, did Kubernetes uh, uh, and containers drove this strategy or the other way around? Right. What I, our bet early on was when we when when we came in, there was already Google Cloud and Azure starting their journey, uh, and uh, Amazon S3 was like the standard, right? When we saw they were each of them were incompatible uh, with each other, <clears throat> and then outside of the public cloud, HDFS, SAN, NAS, anything you look, they, it was a, a it was a array of standards. Every one of them incompatible with each other. We knew that this was not going to be the way. In the long run, everything will look like AWS, or it is AWS itself. That was <clears throat> that was inevitability. So we knew that. Given enough time, the problem will uh, will uh, uh, will be solved, right? That, but then we can fix. We, we don't need to fix the compute side. Compute side. When we started from Cloud Foundry, like a Mesos to Docker Swarm, Compose, there were uh, there are so many standards. Plenty of that. Yeah. 
Isa Kubernetes uh, was, was better positioned. It was written in the infrastructure language of choice as Go, and it, they understood the community sentiments better. They drove well, right? Uh, it was a better idea to declarative model. We saw that that compute side will be solved, but the data side, this uh, industry for switching from POSIX to object, S, object API like S3 itself is a monumental task. It happened finally now, right? At least it's happening uh, and it's happening on all the emerging markets, but for them to go from POSIX to multiple API standards, that's not going to happen, right? That's where we saw that if, if instead of releasing yet another open source standard, we, it's okay for us to uh, stick to S3 API. Amazon won't be unhappy about it. So we, we chose to promote S3 API as the standard across all cloud. And Minio's uh, position is, Minio can run inside AWS on Outpost. It can run on Google Cloud, even uh, Rancher, uh, uh, Anthos, or VMware, Tanzu, everywhere. S3 cannot. And that was our bet. And we knew that in the long run, multi-cloud will be inevitability, and we would be able to help the uh, the community at a, at a giant scale. If we don't do it, we would fail anyway. We focused on the application uh, application developers to help build a powerful ecosystem, and that paid off. So you you solved the API problem with 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 taking the S three bet, and it was a successful bet for Minio, and and you guys benefited from it. And more power to you. But the question still remains: AB, where's the data? The fact that I can use S3 to access it is the right thing across every cloud and every on-prem yeah. environment in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, the way it, like, now I have uh, plenty of data points to actually understand what's uh, what's all, what's happening. When a customer, say, comes from AWS S3 to Minivo, or say, even they 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 have Minivo on-prem and they went to cloud and they deployed Minivo in the cloud, they actually don't move the data around because the new data that's getting produced is more than all of the historic data combined. So they actually don't move the data, which is expensive and time consuming. They, uh, they build uh, the new infrastructure and uh, the new data goes there and they're all kept in silos. Uh, they, some organizations choose to centralize, some organizations choose to go decentralize that model, but overall they never move data. So you're saying that the data ends up being distributed or partitioned across these multiple cloud slash on-prem environments based on what applications started in that particular environment and what data needs they had at that point. Is that how it plays out? Correct. Because you can move the application code, but not the data, but you can't move the application code if you're stuck with the ABA. And the way it supports the multi-cloud is that you could have, let's say, an application running on-prem and reference a URL, which happens to be in AWS or Google or whatever, and, and still access the data, right? In theory, yes, right? But then uh, what, what really happens is that see, even when within if they pick one cloud and deploy Minio, they actually deploy in multiple regions across the world. And uh, applications, wherever they are, they are also global. They tend to pick the one that is in close proximity. Uh, uh, even though S3 API of Minio is HTTPS and you can access from anywhere, the bandwidth costs are not the same, right? It's more than the storage infrastructure. So... Maybe it sounds like what you're talking about, the value necessarily isn't in building multi-cloud apps, but having a multi-cloud operating model in which uh, you can adapt or move your workflows, whether you're developing, uh, developing a point of sale application in one cloud or a data analytics platform in another, the way that you 
uh, address your data is not changing across public clouds. That is very accurate. Yeah, that's very accurate. In fact, they, all they care is their software. It's in simple, plain terms, like in developer terms, right? They just want their applications to be containerized, and it's the it's it's what VMware envisioned as software-defined data center. Uh, it's more not more than the infrastructure layer. All they care is their application stack. In the ML file, if, they, if I can take my entire software stack and roll it out to any cloud on demand, I'm good to go. And that's actually how they build it on Minikube, go to CI/CD environment, and then goes to production environment. That pattern has been followed always. They don't, none of these guys actually are building application connected to EKS or AKS and all their data storing on stored on S3. They don't build application inside the cloud. They build it elsewhere. Even their day one launches on S3, born in the cloud applications, those applications are not built in the cloud. Right? And we find that all they care is their software stack to be independent of any cloud what made that possible was containers and Kubernetes. Kubernetes, containers, yeah. and all that stuff. You mentioned Minikube. I was going to try to run Minikube on my Macs here, <laughs> Max uh, cluster, but that's another story. So Kubernetes is the key to, to multi-cloud as you see it, right? So, A.B., what you're saying is pretty much in line with what I found at KubeCon uh, last year. As I was sitting at uh, the launch table, it's one of my favorite spots to sit doing conferences, listening to uh this this like modernization of the platform team like before the platform team might have provided vmware vSphere and they provided vms now the platform team is like this weird mix of uh these traditional infrastructure operators with developers sitting inside of that team that is 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 consuming services like minio or deploying services that, for minio to enable, you know, I can call it more of an enablement team that's enabling the developers that's solving the business challenge. They're kind of a shim between the developer solving the business challenge and the cloud provider. Is that what you're seeing? Absolutely. You, you can see right here, the change to go to cloud, it cannot start with IT. The problem is that the cloud is incompatible uh, with the enterprise IT, right? File block VM, if you take that stack and retrofit in the cloud, it, it doesn't run or it runs very poorly. So you have to involve developers to, uh, it's not just a matter of automation, right? Like Chef and Puppet tried that, it's not the, that case. This time they have to rewrite the application to go cloud native. Often they're finding that it's cheaper to rewrite than retrofit. This time, all the organizations that have become cloud ready, they involve developers into the mix where IT became ops centric, DevOps centric, they worked hand in hand. Those organizations succeeded. The rest who resisted cloud actually and resisted develop, they poor claimed that those are developer tools are complicated. What we found was the I, there was a wall between IT and the development team. The development team went to cloud nevertheless. I never looked back. So I mean, you know, taking an enterprise application and 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 making a cloud version of it, uh, there's this lift and shift discussion or or refactoring and reimplementation kind of thing, or redesign altogether. I guess is another solution. So you see, does does lift and shift work or is it not? It doesn't. Actually, the, the big, biggest proof is VMware itself tried in their first version of their cloud was VMware as a service, right? They took VM. I give you same VMware as a hosted offering that looked like just 
outsourced data center. That's not what cloud is. That, that's where customers basically say their version of cloud is it has to look like AWS, right? The, the AWS experience. That's what I think Google and Microsoft understood, and they they did not give the same same old software as a service. They it it's not just about automation, right? It's fundamentally incompatible. Meaning, throw away all the legacy. The biggest advantage of cloud is break the legacy systems, throw them away. We can build modern infrastructure like how we built it for ourselves. Like that was Amazon's message that resonated. You, you completely took that value away. And if you brought back legacy, then it's no better. Uh, uh, uh. We have to, have to have a lengthy discussion about that offline. But um, so, so where does opinionated solutions fit into this multi-cloud environment? I, it was a it was a word I almost had to look up when I was I saw that. I think the so the opinionated is too broad, right? If opinionated is in the form of stack, like we talked about LAMP stack in the dot com times, uh, still people tried to do this. I, I recently last week I heard came across Merck some stack like that. I was like, what? What is that? I didn't even know what it was. But then it was like MongoDB something, right? But uh, what I find that the opinionated stacks in the form of pass, it never worked. It's something that even Amazon and other cloud players gradually increase providing the, instead of giving you opinionated stack, like Google actually, the very first version was based on Python-based uh, Google App Engine type model, right? It was more closer to pass. It did not work. It, in, in the, what we are finding consistently all the time was the, the developers don't like opinionated stack. They 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 want building blocks so they can compose their own application infrastructure stack. But for, for this is something it, it this this topic alone requires like a whole day discussion. You can see that the biggest success ever happened in the past world is Heroku, and it's not a big one, right? So it was a small exit. It's still there, but pass never worked because developers don't like opinionated stacks. But having said that, we like being opinionated in the sense when, uh, when like when early on when we started Minio, a community was like, hey, why not use Swift API because that's open source. Why are you promoting S3 API? S3 API is not even a standard and it's proprietary. My point was, Pick one. You want Swift API or you want S3 API? I'm not going to do both. And uh, the answer was very clear. Sometimes they will come and ask. Actually, they still ask, why don't you add NFS API, give file block and object? And I still tell them the same thing that if I uh, it's uh, if I added a legacy protocol, the, all the advantage of S3 API is gone. The advantage of S3 API, the reason it is incompatible is because POSIX is a legacy. If I did POSIX++, it's actually minus minus. I, I'll end up giving you a, a media object storage and a terrible file system. Not because I don't know how to build a file system. That was my previous uh, project, right? But it, here is what it is. Uh, do you want that? No one will say I want a media product. So I love this uh, opinionated view at the lower stacks where developers actually don't care about how you implement the specifics of details. They just kind of want to consume storage. How are you seeing that being kind of validated in the market with developers? So developers, when they approach storage, when they approach Kubernetes, they want to provision storage. Like what are some of the pain points they're realizing when they're like, oh, the regular Kubernetes providers are not enough? Oh, yeah. 
uh, that's actually there is a lot of confusion in this topic right the it, 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 i'll tell you from two different angles the the one if you talk to the actual consumers of the storage itself they actually don't even call it storage they know they most of these they are all developers who are dealing with the data they look at it as a data store they uh, minivo for them is no different from mongodb or elasticsearch it's just that if you are talking about metadata type data that you want powerful query interface you would put in a database if you have blob data and you want lots of persistence you would put in an object store that they look at minivo as an object store and that is how the consumers of the cloud who are the application builders data engineers data architects aml data scientists they look at it as just a data store period right but if you talk to the infrastructure people there particularly if you talk to the storage vendors they brought in san and nas and then wrote a csi adapter and they all want to look cool these are same old appliances they suddenly become the kubernetes ready and they claim that they are kubernetes native storage so this is all the persistent volume stuff that was through csi Correct. and all that stuff csi but that's not what actually the 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 kubernetes storage is about right the application there is a big disconnect there and a lot of confusion too every one of these modern distributed data stores if you look at who wants this uh, the traditional san nas in the cloud san and nas are considered legacy it's only meant to bring legacy applications that cannot be rewritten as a stopgap by yourself sometime that's when you will go for efs or ebs otherwise imagine like snowflake written in ebs or efs they would not have started only right they, they, it, that the csi providers are meant to give you legacy compatibility but if you are talking about a, a modern application even the databases themselves right that they are stateful sets where would they store look at every one of the modern distributed database they have gone scale out and all they want is a local persistent volume like previously it started with host path and then came uh, uh, local volumes but even the local volumes does not have a csi driver which means it cannot be dynamically provisioned and i saw that there was a problem in kubernetes that uh, they there are no csi drivers to manage local drives local jbots which is what every modern distributed data store data processing frameworks are built on not on san and nas vmware recognized this and brought in vsan direct for their uh, tanzu environment but outside of it they it, it, this is actually an emerging area of discussion uh, like open abs came with the local pb and i think uh, longhorn from rancher also has something like this uh, i like i needed this for minivo whether or not i solve this problem for the rest of the industry so we wrote something called direct pb uh, it's a direct persistent volume so all you want is a bunch of local drives automatically provisioned and managed for kubernetes through a csi driver so it's just a volume manager not a storage system storage systems are distributed okay. data storage so, so direct pv is accessed through a csi in, in plugin or 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 what yeah it is actually a csi driver and uh, you give direct pv all the local drives and when you ask say if i'm running uh, it's not just minivo right say maybe i'm running uh, elastic search and elastic search makes copies of replicated copies of their data sets and on their local drive for long term persistence they would put it on object storage let's leave that aside just to run elastic search if you brought in san or nas and put a scale out system on a scale up architecture it wouldn't scale and it will be inefficient all elastic search wants is local pv but if you use just kubernetes provided local pv there is no csi driver so you have to manually pre create these volumes and then provision that's kind of inefficient it breaks the automation if you use direct pv 
when you uh, when you provision your elastic search or kafka or anything right anything distributed when you want these volumes when uh, when say when uh, when elastic search says i want 10 tb on uh, on eight nodes each 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 of these eight nodes 10 tb local you make a volume claim and direct pv will give, will run your elastic search containers with the across all the nodes across all the storage yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm trying to understand here. So let's say I have MinIO using my local storage or, or defined for using direct PV for local storage. But if I want to access like object storage sitting out on the web and I'm a container, I still just use a URL. I don't have to do a persistent volume claim or anything like that, right? Yeah, you don't need it. Yeah, you just use object store, S3 API, just like Redis or MongoDB or anything else. When you access data services, the actually, this is a interesting uh, segue into what is disaggregated storage? The industry talks about disaggregated storage. If you talk to the application developers, they will tell you disaggregation is between stateless microservices and stateful data services, that is data, data stores. That's what they mean by disaggregation. That's what cloud talks about disaggregation. Talk to the storage vendors. They talk about disaggregation between the drive and the storage systems, the data stores. Yeah, and the compute, right? And all that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. So if I'm using like MongoDB or something like that in a containerized application, I'm using the MongoDB API. I'm not I'm not creating a, a persistent volume on a Mongo database or anything like that, right? There is no, the, the database underneath the MongoDB, MongoDB would make a persistent volume claim. And then like, that's where direct that's DB, where it stores DB, its data and yeah. stuff like that. The application yeah. won't see it. Yeah, yeah. Again, Kubernetes seems to be the key to all this stuff. It is now the, the API of infrastructures. It's the API standard for infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, declarative and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Some, some, it has to happen, right? Otherwise, like it, it, it's very hard to build. Nowadays, like it's the, it's not the installation, right? It's how do you operate at scale? Operations means every day you are rolling out new updates. Operations has become the most important problem, and without standardization, it's going to be very hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, um, recently, there's been some new funding for uh, MinIO, or a series was closed. Is that true? Yeah. The, the, uh, the existing investors preempted uh, preempted a term uh, with a term sheet uh, that uh, Intel Capital. Uh, this is uh, Pat uh, just, just Pat Gelsinger himself presented a term sheet that was like uh, very humbling to receive. That it was uh, a, a then SoftBank uh, participated along with the existing investors. Uh, it's a hundred and three million round at a billion dollar valuation, and it's Series B. And we are still a small team at the time when we uh, when we got the funding. It was we were like a forty member team. Well, how does that compare to like the overall market? Like uh, this this is a crowded space. When Ray hit me up to do this sponsored episode with me, I'm like, oh, another Kubernetes storage provider. Like, how does this uh, set you apart from your competitors when it comes from a financial finances? I, I never saw the amount of money you raise, the number of people you hire to be a real measure of success, right? It's still the case. Uh, it, 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 you can see previously we raised only 23 million Series A and it didn't it didn't slow us down. We were accelerating like crazy and still it, it, like today, like around 1.1 million Docker pulls a day. And it's not just, uh, you can... some 1.1 million? Did you say 1.1 million Docker pulls a day? Yeah, that's, it's just from a Docker hub alone. It's not the, including the private repositories and all other repositories, right? They, 
we, yeah, we, I'm not, I'm, 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 I wasn't supposed to say this, but, uh, you know, my private infrastructure that I give yeah. access to, to my team, I found the men I owe VM. I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> I don't know if Ray infiltrated my team or not. Yeah. It's hard to stop at this point. It is, it's just there, but we knew that there is only one way that this market will consolidate and there will, but I actually like to go into a crowded market because the market is established. The hardest part, part is actually to go do concept selling and create a new market. It's easier to go into an established market where there are so many players. You create a superior product, like fine superior for me is not more features or more beefy shiny. It is fine craftsmanship. Listen to the users, give them just what they want. And that fine touch and finish, you, you get to connect with the users, right? If you put that product first attitude, it's hard to go wrong. And uh, that was the reason that we were quite confident that the market is so big. 10 years from now, no one will blame me that I picked the wrong market because data is going to be everybody's problem. It if is everybody's build, problem. It will be everybody's problem for the foreseeable yeah. future. <laughs> it kind of paid off, right? It's really simple, simple ideas that Unfocus allowed us to get here. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, you're in the right place, the right time. I'll say that much. And so, so after what what comes next in your world of MinIO? I mean, you've got you've almost con you've pretty much conquered S3 API compatibility. You're you're sitting here with a with a pot full of money, and and uh, who are you going to go after next? So, a uh, 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 from a, from our thinking point of view, right, we never saw anybody as a competition. We were eternally unsatisfied with our own creation. Right? It's like every artist, if you look at, ask them about their past work, they're actually not happy in spite of being a, a big hit. We are just, we know we can do better. And good part is software, there is always version one, version two, and version three. We can keep on improving. I'm So that part is all I'm thinking, right? But on the other hand, now, should I, should I introduce the next product? Our skill is to actually, we are creators and the product creators. We can go go do Mineo of this, Mineo of that, and we can do all that, right? But then uh, on the other hand, Mineo is, while we got the land grab, the commercial journey is just starting. And if I launch a new product, it will create a, the branding problem, product creation is easy. Creating a business around it and promoting the brand is very, very hard. I am better off like starting, like accelerating on the commercial journey. The, right now, the customers are actually coming to us because we are deeply in production across uh, many of these enterprises. And when they come in, I think it makes more sense for me to help them uh, run their infrastructure at scale with more ease and uh, better security and better operational visibility. Those are more important to me. Uh, and that's actually where the, basically, if you look at Amazon S3 versus us, uh, one thing Amazon themselves admit that S3 has become very complicated. And uh, and Minivo's case, while uh, while the industry talks about how easy Minivo is, I actually think that it is not, right? It, it, we can still, there's a long way for us, right? Yeah, make it easier. I think I will never go wrong if I do that as compared to launching new products. But I think one area I would continue to invest uh, and uh, the next big, if shift, if at all, from Minivo to the next layer is what you do with the data. Uh, now that you stored all the data in Minivo, we became the data infrastructure uh, for your organization. 
what you do with the data is more important. Search type functions and uh, unlocking the value of the data through AI fun machine learning functions. I think that's an area I would definitely invest. Huh, interesting. Well, this has been great. Keith, any last questions for AB before we close? One use case that we haven't talked about has been kind of the standard OS images, application artifacts, snapshots, backups, et cetera. Like the the, the, the mundane tasks of, that mm -hmm. we've done in traditional storage arrays. Mm -hmm. Where is MinIO and providing the, that, that type of capability? So uh, that it started out uh, uh, on the artifact side uh, as a common use case. The like from uh, from JFrog to uh, I think this is Harbor right container image repository like all of them uh, just storing the container images that itself uh, it, it is clearly object storage is the backend for that and Minio grew quite popular there and what we started seeing was it's not just about container repository. Uh, they they are constantly building new container images every day. They make a new patch. How how is how is this new commit tested? They build a new container and uh, the whole stack, whatever the code has changed, all becomes results in new containers and they get tested in a CI/CD uh, automated framework, right? And uh, that results in a flood of container images. Used to be VM images. That's why you needed all this copy data management, secondary data management. That has become more of now artifactory store. And uh, that is uh, th that market also came to object store. Pretty much all the CI/CD frameworks underneath, you will find that if it's not MinIO, it has to still be an object store. Probably if it's not MinIO, it will be some kind of public cloud. Even the models, the another one that's uh, growing out of that, the applic ar application artifacts are container images. But not all. But now we are seeing a new class of artifacts that are just machine learning models. So the models hmm. themselves are becoming. Not quite uh, containers, but container-like solution or uh, yeah. artifacts. They, they are kind of the data containers. Of the platform with that, so versioning, et cetera, uh, right. with that artifact. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. the whole yeah. ML apps thing is, is all about that. Exactly. All right, AB, anything else you'd like to say to our listening audience before we close? I think these, the, the, the questions were great. I, I enjoyed the discussion. We touched upon everything. Okay, good. Well, uh, A.B., thanks for being on our show today, and thank you uh, to MinIO for sponsoring this podcast. That's it thank for you, now. Keith. Bye, Keith. Bye, Ray. And bye, A.B. Yeah, thank you, Ray. Thank you, Keith. Until next time. Next time, we will talk to another system storage technology person. Any questions you want us to ask, please let us know. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends about it. Please review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as this will help get the word out.